Sucked off by historical fake King Arthur or Sabermetrics. Uh, my name is Sierra. My pronouns are she, her. My name's Iris. My pronouns are also she, her. And this is a sincere and critical examination of the Fate series. This time is a special episode where we just finished Fate's Day Night not too long ago, and now we're talking about uh, several of the adaptations of the Fate series, the Studio Dean anime and the uh, Heavensfield movies. Um, yeah, which is uh, why it took us a while to record this thing. <laughs> yeah, it turns out anime is long. Yeah. Um, so we, before we get into those, though, um, I, oh, dang, I really should have uh, brought, up, brought up the website um, earlier. But uh, one of our listeners... Uh, actually sent us a comment on the audio, audio entropy website letting us know about um uh it was uh rain their name's rain thank you very much uh they sent us the uh Rialta Nua version of the first uh like dream sequence the sex scene at the beginning um in the early days of uh heaven's feel um with rin or dream version of rin uh because it's uh uh rain says it continues the theme of nasu accidentally making rin buy <laughs> yeah yeah uh-huh. yeah th- this this one is interesting um for a variety of reasons so to give a brief overview i won't be getting into super detail but basically it's the same idea as the uh, original scene um and in fact it it takes a lot of uh in fact the heavens feel movie that we're going to be talking about um takes a lot of inspiration from this particular scene Mm -hmm. um basically uh in the dream um shiro follows rin into a classroom um and he sees rin basically uh almost like magically seducing Mitsuzuri um, again, as if Mm -hmm. Rin is like a succubus or something. Uh Um, And uh, Rin is drinking her blood. Uh, Um, So uh, uh, 
I think it is important to acknowledge that it is not like she is a succubus. She is explicitly a vampire in this scenario. And, like... Yeah. The, the, the way she... Like... When I say explicitly a vampire, I mean, like, Dracula-ass, threatening sexuality-ass vampire. Like... Yeah, it, like, mesmerism-using vampire. Yeah, well, like, in that a core aspect of, like, the Dracula mythos is the way he is, like sexually threatening and uh, uh, sex as a fear and uh, a form of violence is like integral to how Dracula works, especially in like the context of it coming out in Victorian England. And like, yeah, yeah, that's extremely present here too. Yeah. Shiro, even during the sequence makes a note. Cause when he initially sees it, he's like, Oh damn, they're doing some lesbian stuff. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, oh, that's that's fine, I guess. It's just what just wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. And then, like a moment later, he's like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem consensual. Uh, it- uh, and then once once Rin is done draining Mitsuzuri, she does the same thing to uh, uh, to Shiro, and it's basically the same idea as what happened in Heaven's Field, just replaced come with blood. It feels more sexual than the scene that happens in Heaven's Field. You know what? Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, but like, having it not just be straight up fucking makes it feel way more sexual and illicit than uh, it did when it was just a straight up sex scene. There's a scene where at one, there's a part in it where at one point she like pulls back and like lips licks the blood off her lips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh huh. Which, which we're gonna see later when yep. we talk about the movie. Sure are. But yeah, it man. Uh, again, Nasu really monkeys pawing me here. Uh huh. Nasu is just like man. How can I fuck with Iris specifically? Yeah, uh-huh. Um So yeah, like the the scene is interesting in that like yeah, it's definitely not meant to be a good thing. Um but at the same but at the same time it is meant to be titillating. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it's it's once again Nasu just sort of like doing shit and not really thinking of the uh implications too much. Yeah, uh, that's all I really have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Not sure if you've got anything else to add. No, not really. Like it, it's basically the exact same scene, just without fucking. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway. Uh. So with that out of the way, let's talk about our uh first major part of this episode, which is the Studio Dean uh, adaptation of Fate Stay Night, uh, which came out in... I really should have been more prepared for this episode. Um, uh, yeah, aired on uh, aired in 2006. Uh, so one important thing about the Dean adaptation, um, because uh, we are going to kind of rip into it. Me, not as much as Sierra, but... Uh, we aren't going to be super kind. No. Um, but one thing I one thing I do want to give Dean credit for is um 
like the original Fate Stay Night game did not have voice acting. Yeah. So like the voice actors that Dean picked are the ones who will be the voice actors for those characters from from this moment forward. Yeah. And they knocked it out of the fucking park with that. Yeah, the performances are definitional in a way that like is kind of impressive. Did you watch the dub or the sub? Uh, I watched the dub. I also watched the dub. Because I'm I sorry, wa- not the dub. The, oh, I watched okay. the sub. My apologies. Yeah, I, I got my term switched around. I watched the dub because I was like, man, I'm not going to read subs for fucking 25 episodes of an anime <laughs> I'm going to hate. I'm sorry. I could not do it. Um, uh, that's fair. Yeah, I, I watched the subtitled version. That's um, fair. Just because, like, I really love those voice actors. Oh, yeah. Those voice uh, actors are really solid. The dub voice actors were not bad either. Like, they're the same vein that the uh, English voice actors will often be moving forward. Um, yeah. Less good than the Heavensfield one, but, like, the same sort of voice direction. Yeah. Uh, also, um, I do like the music quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I particularly like the ending theme um of the show with uh saber standing in a field mm-hmm. um that one's quite good i mostly just wanted to like say some good stuff before we really get into it because they're there i am gonna say a few more nice things later on but yeah we're not um so this is the <laughs> first attempt anyone made at animating fate state night right correct yes and- this is the very first anime adaptation and so Um, one thing i do want to get studio dean credit for um they didn't have money money like we're gonna see with heaven's feel oh yeah no they know how to animate such that like it feels both very evocative of the visual novel like or all of the fight scenes specifically um yeah are fight scenes that are very evocative especially like the way colors arc as a means of de- uh, demonstrating like attacks, things like that. Um, and, and the animation style is going to be informative for most versions. Uh, like you can draw a direct line from this to the UFO table version of uh, uh, unlimited blade works, uh, which is animated better, but is clearly like taking direction from the studio Dean adaptation of how these fights should look animated um, yeah, there are a lot of visual tropes that carry forward in terms of yeah. like how people interpret what fate should look like. Yep. Um, and, and so, like, for what it is, the animation isn't always terrible. It's it's sometimes pretty good. And that's yeah. about as nice as I'm going to be. <laughs> um, so, to give some context here... Uh, the Dean Fate adaptation um, largely follows the Fate route. Um, I say largely because starting directly after the the resolution of um, the conflict with Ilya and Berserker, uh, it takes a detour into both some Unlimited Blade Works content as well as... Uh, a very weird Heaven's Feel inclusion. I think the UBW content works significantly better than the uh, Heaven's Feel content does. So, I agree, and part of the reason for that is because Fate and UBW are compatible in a way Heaven's Feel is not, and this, ru- yeah. or this anime is 
dedicated on a fundamental level to still being the fate group. Yeah. Uh, like um, to the point where I wish they had just done a fusion of like just committed to a fusion of fate on and unlimited blade works yeah. instead of tr- trying to incorporate heaven's feel. Cause I think that could have turned out significantly better. Probably. Overall. Um, but for the first like 12 episodes, it's just straight up a fate adaptation. Um, which makes sense as the first thing to do if, sure. if you're, you know, and like doing an, an adaptation for the first time. Um, but it is slow um, in a way that is very much faithful to how the fate route goes in the visual novel as well. It, yeah, it, very much faithful is a nice way of saying it sucks shit here, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh one of my uh, uh, one of my uh, friends, uh, F- uh, Fabi, who um, is also a uh, uh, co podcast, a, a co RPG player on uh, Eidolon playtest um, that we're that we're both on. Oh. She's going through a, a bunch. Like she got bit by the fate bug, and uh, she tried to watch <laughs> the the fate like the Dean adaptation. Uh-huh. Um, and she she did not enjoy her time with the Dean adaptation. Uh-huh. Really? I wonder uh, why. <laughs> yeah, she she liked UBW significantly more. <laughs> um and it's it, I can't I can't really blame her. Um it is a rough introduction. Um like even if it is faithful, it, it's sort of faithful in the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It um it it's just like it's fucking boring, man. The first twelve episodes are fucking boring. Yeah, and I'm the and idiot it's a who shame. likes boring anime. Yeah, and it's a shame because like that that time could have been used to either like incorporate more unlimited Blade Work stuff, so you have like so you can have a show that you know, it works as like a nice combination of the two roots. So that way you can like hit um, some more of the fan favorite parts that, that people would like to see. Um, or like you could instead use some of that time to develop Saber's character a bit more. Cause um, even in her own route, like in the visual novel, Saber, Saber's character development is, a lot more shallow than for example, Rin's or Sakura's. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, like they, they stay devoted to the, how the fate route goes for those first 12 episodes. Um, and the changes they do end up deciding to make are somewhat questionable. So like after, after the berserk, well, actually, first of all, we should probably mention, uh, because <laughs> this is our this was our first time seeing what the non arrow gay version of the threesome is like. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was interesting is that they just kept the part where Rin it, kisses Shiro and then starts to undress, like uh, starts to undress Saber Saber, and yeah. pushes. Yeah, so like that's still in it, there. It again, and like at it's that point, where it feels more sexual than the actual sex scene. Yeah, like at that point, if you're gonna just do that, why not just fade to black? You know, just have and do the fuck, implication. 
Yeah, because like at that at that point, you've you've already done like the the stuff that actually matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's no longer chased. Uh, but no, instead, what happens is that like after uh, Rin shoves Saber down on the bed and starts un- like rem- like uh, loosening her top, she calls Shiro over. And, like, the idea here is that Shiro will give Saber some of his magic crest. Magic circuit, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that takes the form of Shiro going into, like, Saber's mindscape where a giant, terribly animated CG dragon devours him. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is very bizarre. <laughs> Uh-huh. The CGI for the dragon is maybe the worst CGI for anything I've ever seen. This isn't an it's exaggeration. It's so embarrassing. It this is, is like reboot uh, CG. Reboot looks better. <laughs> I, like, I, I want to be clear here. That, I'm not like that... exaggerating. There is a consistency and a experience of design with reboot that makes That's CGI true. and reboot look better than the CGI here. This looks yeah. There like is a an artistic puppet. intent to reboot. <laughs> this looks like somebody took like a puppet and filmed it and put it in the game, just based on how it moves. Yeah, honestly, it it would have been better if they had just done that, like done the dream sequence as like a Thunderbolt fantasy style puppet show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least then, at least then, it wouldn't look comically out of place it would be more like ah this is this is just their artistic intent for what a dreamscape is it's in it's intentionally a different style it's like no they just attempted to do a cgi dragon and then just did it very poorly mm-hmm. um yeah so they, they should have just like done the sex scene but just fade to black when it got to the actual sex part they really should have you know just just let let them fuck. Uh yeah. Anyway, uh yeah, so after that whole berserker stuff, um it then di- it then basically does a recreation of the uh caster stuff from Unlimited Blade Works. Um oh actually hold on, sorry. Before we start that, I I do want to say one last thing that I really liked about this adaptation, which was the changes that they made to the Archer versus Berserker fight scene. The Archer versus Berserker fight scene do kind of whip. Yeah. So in the original visual, in the visual novel, uh, the original fight scene between Archer and Berserker is fairly short lived on Archer's side. Mm-hmm. Like he does his best, but but he gets kind of Berserker body. and like yeah. He, he jobs for Berserker. Like, that. that is what his job is here. Yeah, like, and in in this adaptation, his fate doesn't turn out differently. No, he gets um, his ass but beat the, still, but he takes, what, five of his lives? Yeah, yeah, like, he, he lasts, he lasts longer, um, there's more movement, like, there's, there's different places the fight takes place in, like, at one point, a hole gets made in the ceiling, and Archer, uh, uh tries to gain advantage by jumping through it, um, you know, to, to get into a wider area to fight, Berserker gets stuck for a bit, um, uh, he uses limited blade works, um, it, it's pretty neat, I, like, I, it's tight, yeah. actually, 
yeah, I actually prefer this fight scene to the original one. I agree. Um, uh, uh, and, and I also... I think the original one being the thing it is makes sense in the visual novel, but in terms of, yeah. like, in a vacuum, yeah, this fight is more interesting. Yeah, I also uh, I also do like at the end where um, it, it hints at some more in the blade work stuff where uh, it it very explicitly focuses on um, the gem that Archer leaves behind when he dies. That's the same as Rin's gem. Um, I think at one point Archer can't remember what he says to Ilya, but it is it it's pointed. The thing he says to Ilya is supposed to make it. Um, it's supposed to indicate to Ilya that like she just killed, like her, uh, uh, she just killed her brother basically. Yeah. Um. So it's a lot more explicit about Archer being, being um, Shiro, Shiro yeah. in in those early stages, and I and I like, and I like that. Um. I don't think it works super well if it were just the fate route and that's the only change that were made but in in a scenario where they actually committed to having a blend of just fate unlimited blade works this like this change would work really well mm-hmm. um but unfortunately they did not commit to that as we will see in the caster stuff um yeah yeah so like the caster stuff lo- at first plays out largely how it does in limited blade works uh in fate where... demeanor. Uh, no because in fate caster just gets right, destroyed caster by just gets bodied and it's the fight Gilgamesh. with the, um yeah okay yeah so in in unlimited blade works is where they actually fight caster right. and kuzuki at the same time and the fight yep, scene plays out exactly like it does here uh, uh um, this fight scene is way worse than the unlimited blade works one uh, like, is. This, this is the one that yes. made me, like, really disappointed compared to the UFO table fight. Um, like, the UFO table version of this fight is genuinely very fun and dynamic. Uh, it has, like, fun motion to it. This feels really static in a way that the uh, Archer fight scene did not. Yeah, that is true. Um, and it's, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, um... What's even more frustrating is how they decide to diverge. Because, like, what they decide to do with Caster is not only bring in Unlimited Blade Works elements, but also bring in Sakura as well in a really ill-advised decision. So, like, it it sort of kind of keeps the part where uh, Caster invades Shiro's home. But what it does instead is that, like, Caster possesses Sakura and then uses Sakura's mana magic energy to create like a less powerful version of Rule Breaker that she then uses on Saber, who's who's trying to protect Ilya. Uh-huh, and it turns uh, off Excalibur, I guess. Yeah, so instead of like just releasing Saber from her contract with uh uh with shiro like it does in unlimited blade works which leads to a cool scene of uh art uh, of a saber um coming under rin's control later on which is one of the dopest moments in unlimited blade works mm-hmm. um 
she just can't use Excalibur anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, like, uh, all right, I guess. Um, and then Sakura gets kidnapped. And then they decide to keep the weird thing about Caster, like, keeping women in bondage gear. <laughs> yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. so, like, in the Limited Blade Works, when Caster got control of Saber, like, she put her in, like, a wedding dress for some reason um in the dean fate like she puts sakura straight up in like leather bdsm clothing (laughs) it's very it especially given sakura's backstory which they don't actually get into that much Mm -mm. it's it's a choice Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then there's this weird sequence where, like, they go into this hidden, like, hidden battle zone, un- like, underneath the temple that, like, is, it seems like it's meant to evoke the Greater Grail area, but also is totally different in that it looks like just this, it almost looks like a reality marble that is meant to evoke, like, a weird fantasy version of like ancient Greece uh, as seen by like as seen in a soul caliber battle stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're right. <laughs> uh, and so like, then you got some fight scenes with uh, Saber and Rin and Shiro fighting Kuzuki and Caster in order to take back Sakura. Uh, and you have callbacks to Heaven's Field that are done in such a, like, rapid fashion that doesn't have any of the proper buildup that it doesn't matter. Like, I'm specifically thinking of where Rin goes to kill uh, uh, Sakura, but then stops and gets stabbed herself. Mm-hmm. Like, that scene plays out similar to how it did in... Uh, in Heaven's Field, but, like, there's no background for why she would do that in the first place, so it doesn't have any impact whatsoever. Right. And I... I don't get why they even tried to do this. Yeah, it's... I don't get it, man, and it just kind of sucks. Yeah, it's it's bad. Like, if you want to incorporate the U- UBW stuff, that's fine. The stuff you did do, I were some of my were some of the parts I liked most about your weird adaptation. Mm-hmm. But like, don't don't try to cram three roots into one. That's a don't bad try idea. To cram three roots into one when one of those roots is fundamentally antithetical to the other two and is built on being a rejection of them. Yeah, like, in the first place, Heaven's Feel is incompatible with the other two. You can't, you can't do that. Heaven's Feel is incompatible with the other two, especially when the way you're doing it is at not as the primary route you're focusing on. Because, like, for all yeah. it includes details from the other two routes, this is, like, fundamentally a, uh, a fate route. Um, yeah. Like, I will be 100% honest here. I fucking, I hated this anime. Like, I, I'm, I'm trying so hard to not just be a hater, 
but like being a hater is my default state. And so like, I kind of just gotta, gotta lean into it. Um, yeah, I fucking hated the anime. Um, it was, and it's not even like, because it is like any necessarily more repugnant than the original fate route. Um, it's the combination of there being no context beyond the fate route that like establishes how the work feels about fate as a whole. Um, yeah. And also like, it's just fucking mediocre, man. It is mediocre and boring because it's mediocre and bland. Like, uh, it is is so frustrating to watch uh, Artoria continually be like, hey, you have to value yourself. The fact that you throw your life away at every possible turn is heartbreaking to the people who love you and is actively terrible. And have Shiro go, no, but I love you, though, and have him be, like, right. It sucks that yeah. the usage of Avalon is a fucking attack instead. Like, I feel like yeah. you have missed the thematic point of what Avalon is and, like, the importance there. And, like, how they're, like, doing a thing where Shiro is, like, a person whose body literally is made up of swords, of weapons, of instruments of death and destruction. And the, the most effective and powerful thing he is ever able to do is create shields as a means of protecting those that he loves. Like, I feel like you're missing that there is something important happening there, like thematically and symbolically um and it is incredible how much in motion and like hearing with my earballs how much it fucking sucks to watch shiro kiss a woman who is crying and saying don't do this please <laughs> yeah uh-huh. it is like it really amplifies thing i have ever watched in a long time it really amplifies what we did not like about the original route uh-huh. Because, like, a lot of the worst things, like, other than the weird Heaven's Feel stuff, a lot of the worst things about this adaptation are not inherent to the adaptation. They were already there. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, like, that doesn't absolve Dean of those errors because, like, they clearly were willing to make changes and they chose not to, like, improve on the material that they had in, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, and I, I, I'm willing. To even forgive. though they were, even though they were clearly capable of it, because we do see some instances where they do improve uh-huh. on the material, or at least give like really interesting and good alternatives. Um, yeah, and like I'm willing to give fate in the actual visual novel way more runway and way more leniency because it is a thing that it is built upon and expanded upon and touched. Um, yeah, you're you're not meant to just stop at fate. In, in this, in you VM. absolutely are meant to just stop. And it's like, it sucks. It fucking sucks. Hey, remember how much we hated fate? Now imagine if that's <laughs> all you got. Yeah, God. <laughs> I can't oh, fucking depressing. believe this is the thing that kicked off people losing their fucking mind about fate. It's wild, yeah. Can you fucking believe it? It does make sense, though, why, like, well, I guess so. One thing, one interesting thing is that, like, it, it turns out Sakura is not as unpopular as I initially thought. Because thank like, God, um, she's perfect, and I would kill and die for her. Yeah, because friend of the show Aaron pointed me to a uh, well, friend of the show and also best friend of me uh, pointed uh, pointed out like some um, like character polls that were done. Um, gosh, I can't remember what year, but like Sakura was in the top five. 
Good. She deserves it. She should be number one, but, you know, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> I guess um, that's acceptable. Yeah, let me see here. Uh, fourth character poll. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to figure out um, where it is. Okay, yeah, so... All right, so for their 10th anniversary poll, um, Sakura actually made it to the top 10. So for the Type the Moon 10th anniversary all-character poll, so this encompasses, like, everything Type Moon has done, both male and female characters, so no gender segregation, um, like with some polls. Uh, top 10 uh, was Sab uh, number one, Saber. Uh, number two, Shiki Ryogi from Kar no Kyokai. Sure. Uh, which love we'll eventually Murder get Wife, to. that's fair. Everyone loves Murder Wives. I do, uh, listen, I respect <laughs> it and I support it. Three, Archer from Fate Stay Night. Yeah, he's hot. I get it. I don't agree, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, four, Rin Tosaka, Fate Stay Night. Um, five, Arquied Brunstead uh, from Tsukihime. Sure, I, I do love pressing C with Arquid and watching somebody just sit there and block it and then it or get hit by an unblockable into a full combo. I think that's very funny. So I can see why people... That's not why people like her, is it? They like her because... No. I don't know what her character is like, but I'm sure she's lovely. Well, we'll eventually... We'll, we'll eventually I will never learn out. anything. I'm we're going to play Tsukihime and I'm just going to play more Melty Blood instead of just smile and nod the whole time. I'll, I'll be so mad. <laughs> uh... Uh, Six, Ryder from Fate Zero, who who I believe legitimately deserves to be in, in, in the top ten. I love Ryder. He's great. That's, that's the one the twink fucks, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he, he's the big bear. Okay. Um, seven, uh, Aoko Aozaki from Maho Sukai no Yoru. That's fair. I, I've looked up some shit about Aoko, and I'm just like... Damn, yeah. if I was allowed to play these games and they were in English, I probably would love Alco too. Uh, number eight, Sakura Mato, Fate Stay Night. Too low, but I understand. Yeah, yeah. I also agree too low, but respectable rank. Uh, number nine, Gilgamesh, Fate Stay Night. Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Fucking hate Gilgamesh, dude. <laughs> um, like, I... Like, if you're a fan of him from Fate Zero, I can understand. I think he's a more interesting character there. If you're a Gilgamesh fucker because of Fate Zero, I respect you. I don't get the Gilgamesh fuckers who got into it from Fate Stay Night. <laughs> I um, I often don't get X fuckers so, like, it, this is not an unusual experience for me, but it's just like... Man... Lancer's right there. Yeah, I know. That that's Lancer that's like the thing. Lancer is the better dirt bag that you want to fuck. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Um and number 10, uh Alice uh Kuonji also from Maho Sukai no Yoru. Sure, that's a game that definitely exists in English. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um and only has one part, even though 
Nasu said, oh, this is simply part one of three uh, back in 2012. Yeah, that game's never fucking finishing. Because <laughs> Nasu keeps getting distracted by fake Grand Order. Yeah, uh-huh. Because <laughs> fake Grand Order makes fucking billions of dollars. Nasu, I swear to God, I'm going to strangle you. I just refuse to look at it or acknowledge it because until it's actually finished, it does not exist to me. I cannot uh, do it. I cannot. <laughs> I would fucking die. So what you're saying is like when we get to the point where that's all we have left, we're just going to do like Ever 17. <laughs> yes. No, we're, we're going to do Umineko. <laughs> or like Umineko. Yeah, yes, I guess uh-huh. Umineko. <laughs> we're going to yeah. do Umineko. Because here's the thing. I can't do Umineko's newest game. Like, I... I or, or not Umineko. Uh, Ruikishi07, uh, the author of Umineko's newest game, because it still has a bunch of parts to come out. I can't touch even the first one without having I, a fucking anxiety attack. Oh, I didn't even know there was a new new one. Yeah, uh, uh, Sikonia, I think it's pronounced. I, I figured it was just Higurashi and Umineko, and that was it. No, mm-mm. No, Ryukishi okay. just does not ever stop. My man is always right. going in. <laughs> this one apparently has, like, robots or something, and apparently it's cool. I wouldn't know. I can't oh, hell read it yeah. yet. I'm into that. Um. Anyway, yeah, so. Uh, all right, yeah, that was a top 10 uh, from their 10th anniversary, just because I thought that was kind of interesting. Um. Anyway, uh, what the fuck were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the, the Dean Fate route. Hella... Yeah, and it sucks shit. Uh, like, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it, it, like it's just boring and uninteresting. Like the ending is basically the same. A lot of like, especially near the tail end, fights start dissolving into just fucking beam clashes, and it's just like kind of boring. Yeah, and like it's a sh- like it's a shame because I I can I can see hints of a of a much better show here, um, and like the the epilogue and like the epilogue where it it shows uh, Artoria's death is is still affecting, um, but largely because I already liked Saber. Yep. um, And not necessarily because, like, there was a lot of work done to make it work. Um, It's just because if you already like Saber, that epilogue is genuinely heart-wrenching. Meanwhile, Um, I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, 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 you love him, I guess, for some fucking reason. Okay. Um... But yeah, it's it 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 doesn't do it doesn't change enough to actually improve the parts of fate that most need improvement. I, I mean, like it doesn't change anything fundamental. It changes like yeah the detailing to get to the same location. It's not any different. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Even though I didn't end up hating it. Um, I do think it is profoundly mediocre. Uh, and I, I agree. That's probably, why I hate it. And, and really not worth watching. Uh, on no. Aside from like its historical interest. Honestly, even its historical interest is not enough to make me think it's worth watching. Like you're, I, I did not glean any new information about the historical rise of fate. Watching this, I mostly hit the point of like this is the thing that brought this towards the mainstream. This is really what made people like it. That's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if, if it were actually just bad, I would be much more interested in it. I would hate it far less. 
but it's just mediocre. It doesn't do anything interesting. It, it is not worth the time. It just felt like a waste of time. And, like, were it not something we talked about on the podcast, I would be kind of annoyed that I wasted time watching it. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. Again, I don't like being... That's a lie. I do like being a hater, but I try not to be. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> listen. Uh... Listen. You're right. Like, being a hater is fun, but I try not to be too often. But this one, it's just like... It's not even a 7 out of 10. It's a 5 out of 10 that makes me hate it like it's a 2 out of 10. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't really think there is much else to say about the Dean adaptation. Honestly, like, if you, if, I'm surprised if you haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen it, like, really, don't, don't bother. bother. It's not worth your um, time. Yeah. Uh. So let's talk about Heaven's Feel. Um. Which before we go into go into Heaven's Feel proper, I do want to address something because on previous episodes of this podcast, I say that the first Heaven's Feels movie starts at the Lancer fight. Yeah, you and did I, say that, and it did not. Yeah, and I want you to know. That I genuinely believed that. Uh-huh. Um, and what's weird is, like, the whole time I was watching the movie, and it clearly does not start at the Lancer fight, I was like, did I watch it? Was there, like, a different version that got released after I watched it for Cast? Like, I felt like I was going insane. Mm-hmm. And then, be- because I couldn't find, like, everything I could find stayed like, no, there's no other alternate versions. It was just mm-hmm. this version. So like, I then actually went back. I found the episode of Baka cast, my anime podcast, which no one should go back and listen to. <laughs> Not because I'm like, I just think, I just think I wasn't a very good podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, I went back and listened to that episode where we talked about it. And I can hear myself talking about things that I did not remember until I rewatched the actual movie. Yeah, it do be like that sometimes on this bitch of an earth. And I was like, what happened to my brain that it completely jettisoned like two thirds of this movie from its archive to the point where I was convinced that it didn't start the way that it did. Like, I don't understand what happened. Movie, huh? um, which is weird because like, I think the first movie is my favorite of these three. I agree. I, my thing about that, like, okay. So my overall opinion of the heavens feel movies is they are a worse version of heavens feel, but they're a version oh. of heavens feel, which means I like it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Whereas I think Unlimited Blade Works is, I think Unlimited Blade Works is a more accurate, both in, uh, both toward the execution and intent of Unlimited Bl- of the actual Unlimited Blade Works route than Heaven's Feel is. But like Heaven's Feel as a route is so good that mm-hmm. even if the movie adaptations like make some changes that are that really bug me. And indicate to me that I I don't think the director of Heaven's Feel understood what Heaven's Feel was about. Like yeah. it is still a really good set of movies. Well, and like all of the changes uh, that at least I clocked uh, that I was less fond of were like fairly small things. Like uh, um, Saber recognizing Shiro when he is about to stab her, 
I, I fuck it. Like, I clocked out immediately and was like, man, I fucking hate that change. That change is so frustrating for, like, so many different reasons because I feel like you missed a point there. Um, oh, see, that's not the one that I hated the most. What was the one you hated the most? Uh, the one where they completely change how Sakura interprets, like, what the shadow is doing. Yeah, oh, where she's the, in like the, the dream dreamscape. Sequence? You're right. Yes. No, that is the worst one. Yes, that one pissed me off so much because it completely changes the whole point of like why of like Sakura's relationship, like with the murders. It, uh, especially because part of the thing. Okay, um, so there's not like a whole lot to say about the first movie. It is like basically identical to the opening part of Heaven's Feel, honestly. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I, one thing I want to say about the first movie, though, because, like, I, I'm going to start criticizing, like, movies two and three in relation to what the first movie does not do. Um, and the first movie allows itself to revel in mundanity. Yeah, I, I, because literally one of my notes is the opening montage of Shiro and Sakura bonding is, like, oh, just delightful. So good. It's just oh, it's delightful. so good. Like, the first movie understands why Sakura's relationship with Shiro is so important and, like, what mm-hmm. makes them such a good couple is that they feel natural in these mundane moments that will eventually p- become very precious to them in contrast to the, to the hell that their lives are about to be. Yes. Um, and that contrast is so important uh, and they spend like a good half of the movie just dedicated to like these characters just having their normal lives together. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do want to be kind of clear about is the structure of these movies is so weird because yeah. it is it is not three distinct movies. It is basically just one six hour movie that they cut into thirds so they can put it into theaters. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's more like how Peter Jackson did The Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, only this was like a work that was intended to do that, so it wasn't like weirdly butchered. Yeah, yeah. I, I have much more negative opinions about The Hobbit than I do of the Heaven's Field movies. <laughs> um, and and oh. so like, ever so this first movie is allowed to revel, and it like the reason I mentioned that is it makes the pacing feel really different from other movies. Because it can take things slow when it wants to, and that means when it does speed up for, like, fight scenes, things like that, or when things happen fast, you feel it in a way you don't normally. Yeah, and even in the fight scenes that they do, and again, this is something I'm going to contrast in the next two movies, like, the fight scenes they do um, are largely still kept, like, um, they don't go overboard, with a lot of them. Like, they, they, they sort of do that a little uh, bit with the Lancer fight. That Saber Rider that... fight got fucking money. Yeah, the the, sab- the Saber Rider, yeah, in the third movie. I'm, uh, I'm the, have... the first Saber Rider fight. Oh, oh, okay. You mean the one uh, where, like... Every bit of the chain animation is yes. money. That's fucking money. Yeah, so that's an example of, like where they did not em- overly embellish what that fight scene is supposed to do like mm, they yeah. will in later movies and like that's good because the whole point of that saber rider fight where um Shiro first encountered Shinji 
uh, is that Saber is supposed to just completely wreck uh, Ryder in that fight. Like, mm-hmm. no contest at all. To contrast what Ryder is like when uh, Sakura eventually takes control. And they communicate that extremely well. Yeah, it's great. Um, I I love that sequence. Um, and I also like really like the the Lancer sequence, even if it does sort of get into get more into UFO tables habit of like really embellishing things when they kind of don't need to. Um, like there there's a part where like Lancer is fighting assassin on like a moving truck. <laughs> yeah, it rules. It's so good. Yeah, I I let them get away with it though because like Lance Lancer needs a break. He needs he needs to do something sick uh for once. Uh so I'm fine with it. And ultimately like it still ends the same way. Uh, um, um I, I honestly basically. I think the uh assassin and Lancer fight actually genuinely rules. Like I, I genuinely think it's yeah. a very very fun fight scene. It is it is quite good. Um, um uh, yeah, also, I, th- it's just like, yeah, man, I want Lancer to get screen time. I love that boy. He's a yeah. bitch. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do that, love that's that his th- fucking death too is just him basically going, ah, oh, fuck, this sucks. Uh-huh. Yeah, it rules. Yeah, I, I also, uh, I also like the the same holds true for like the uh the saber versus um assassin fight like they mm-hmm. they really they really kept the spirit of like that fight as well where mm-hmm. um you know they they make it clear that you know uh it is it is more important to saber to like keep her heart than it is for for her to like um you know not get devoured by the the goop um and it, yeah, I, I I generally like the problems that that I will have with the next two movies largely do not exist in the first one. I think the first one is is a v- extre- exceptionally good adaptation of, of that section of Heaven's Feel. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, so with that in mind, let let's move on to the second movie. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Was it, does the curry scene happen in the first movie or the second movie? Oh, that is a good question. Uh, um, it's not a huge deal. Uh, it is just important to me that they thought yes. it was important to include the entire curry scene. I'm so glad they did that. Down to the fucking beat and him going, do you want some? And a uh, fucking... Shiro getting pissy about it, being like, "No, I don't want some curry." It's it's so good. It's exactly what I wanted. It could not have been more perfect. I, literally, my note is just, "Yes, the curry scene." I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah, it's still there, um, which is wonderful. Uh, um, yeah, so that would have been uh, day seven of Heaven's Feel. So, so I think that's movie two. Yeah. Um, regardless. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, is movie two where they do that uh, dream sequence of Sakura? Uh, I think so. Yeah, they, they do the dream sequence of Rin in... Well, I, I was talking about the... Oh, oh sorry. Candy Candyland dream sequence. Yeah, yes. That is, movie two is where they do that. So, um, movie two is also 
pretty close. And, like, the thing about the Heavens Field movies is, like, all of them hew pretty close to the original Heavens Field. But it is a lot of, like, tonal differences or, like, small subtle changes where, like... Yeah, or, like, change in presentation. Yeah. So, uh, uh, one thing that changes with this is that uh, Sakura has... uh, so in the original, the dream it, it's not really a dream sequence so much as a thing that Sakura is like shadowly aware of and something she is watching uh, the shadow do from a distance, um, separated from, and then is aggressed upon by other people. It is never like in doubt whether or not it's people in the quote-unquote dream sequence, but she is also like threatened and aggressed upon, and the shadow reacts to that both as a protection. And as a retribution for a world that actively and constantly seeks to harm her. This is important because it is an extension of the harm the world has nonstop constantly been inflicting upon Sakura for two decades at this point, basically. Um, She is not not just randomly and arbitrarily inflicting harm. She is in – like – she is explicitly about to likely be sexually assaulted and lashes out uh, unconsciously and in a way that she is unaware of. Um, And in this movie, they're like, man, that would be uncomfortable to make. What if instead we did a dream sequence where she is like a princess in Alice in Wonderland and is just enjoying making weird, cute characters explode into candy? Um... And that's how Gilgamesh finds her. And there's, like, no undercurrent of self-protection. There is no reinforcement of a world that seeks to harm her. There is no uh, indication of her difficulty of coping with a world that wants to harm her or uh, uh, a conflation of all people with people who want to harm her in the same way that there is with the original. And so Gilgamesh shows up and, like, she's literally eating a part of a person like it is quote-unquote or because she quote-unquote thinks it's candy but there is also like not that separation that is between her and the shadow that gilgamesh breaks by uh attacking her yeah i also hate how the gilgamesh sequence plays out as well uh uh, i do think him getting his foot eaten and trying to take a step further is kind of tight that part kind of is cool i guess but like one of the things I liked about what happens with Gilgamesh in the visual novel is that, like, he notices that he just fucked up and then he's gone. Yes. Uh-huh. It, it is definitely too long. It is too long. Like, the thing about the visual novel is, like, we've seen Gilgamesh be a fucking monster. And he gets bodied in an instant. He is just gone immediately when he was the huge antagonist for the second arc. Or, or for the second route, like, and he's just gone. It, it's just over. And we're just like, oh, fuck. Um, I will say I do think that uh, uh, the visual effect they use for soccer uh, uh, here is actually kind of cool. Um, they're clearly taking a lot of uh, uh, inspiration from uh, the ring. Yeah. Uh, um, also, like, the way that the town disappears yeah, mm-hmm. like is eaten is is different. Where like in in the visual novel, it's portrayed as just like a wave of darkness spread across the town, and people just vanished. People are just eaten; they're gone. Yeah. Whereas in here, it plays out a lot more like a traditional 
horror film where I like it's almost like people are getting raptured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like people are just randomly being taken like cars are like crashing into the into poles. I I And this is like going to be a constant problem I have with the movies 2 and 3 is that it feels like whenever UFO table get to a scene where like it is like the horror of it is supposed to be in how simple and mundane it is for the creature for the shadow to do this they they're like well that's not flashy enough we need to we need to pump this up a bit yeah they they can't leave well it's enough like, alone you uh, ufo table is not known for uh their subtlety yeah and, like, and it really shows here and especially during the points where like subtlety was the was was the whole point of the thing well, also, like, considering there's not a whole lot of subtlety to work with in Fate, like, when the subtlety that is there is missing, it's just like, damn, I really wish there was any deafness or a light touch. Yeah. Um, so, sort of going a little bit further further back in, in movie two, though, like, um, I want to mention specifically, uh, movie two is also where this starts happening to the fight scenes. Uh, with us, with I think the one particularly egregious example being the fight scene between Saber Alter and Berserker, uh, mm. when the shadow comes to take over Ilya's castle, yeah. Um, and like on paper, I like the idea of Saber Alter getting more screen time because, like, in Heaven's Field, she doesn't do a whole lot. She mostly shows up, intimidates Shiro, and then is like, I'll kill you later. I, I'm, okay, so um, I, I actually, like, that's actually something I wanted to point out. Like, um, it is important, and it ties back into why I'm annoyed that sh- uh, she recognizes Shiro at the end in the movie. Um, and it's because uh, uh, in Heaven's Field, she is effectively dead from the moment she is eaten. Like, there's no coming back from that. There is no undoing that. Like, she is effectively dead. And her function is instead to serve as a, a reflection uh, ideologically of Shiro and, like, of the nihilism that he potentially can end up finding himself in now that he has abandoned those ideals. And so he, we again have Saber functioning as this sort of dead-end uh, uh, reflection of Shiro's ideals, especially now that he has changed. Like, th- th- We can easily see a world in which, yeah, this goes bad, and Shiro ends up like the same sort of way that Saber ends up. Um, or yeah. he, he, he quits halfway through and does kill uh, uh, Sakura and ends up the way uh, Saber Alter is. Yeah, except in this case, and like we kind of do get the warning signs that this is the direction they're going to take at the very end of the first movie. Mm -hmm. Because like one of the things that the first movie adds is like after Saber gets taken, like Saber Alter actually appears like in the darkness that uh, Saber is drowning in and basically does the whole persona I'm you thing. (laughs) I'm going to be real here. Saber Alter's hot. Like, oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I love me an evil bitch. I don't know what to tell y'all. But also, it does completely change 
what Saber uh-huh. Alter is. Yes, yes, absolutely. And if they were going to do this, you need to do this. You cannot, like, pull the punch on this, and they do. Yeah, like, if you're going to, if you're going to make Saber Alter an actual like dark personality of saber like letting itself go because saber has given in to nihilism and it's not simply like saber is dead and she is simply being puppeted by anger mind you then that leaves the door open for like possibly a scenario where saber there could actually be a scenario where you do have like the resolution that Saber didn't get in the other roots where like she realizes like the flaws in her own ideologies and like moves past it and defeats the altar that is inside of her. Like mm-hmm. that is a way you could take it if you were willing to commit to altar being a like a character sh- being an actual character and not just this is this is just saber being puppeted Mm -hmm. um but they they don't really do that yeah beyond that single scene where saber altar first appears you don't get any interiority from saber altar she just acts like a terminator yeah uh uh-huh which is exactly how she acted in the original heavens feel, but that was fine because like, that's what she was. She was just, she was just being controlled by the shadow. She wasn't a person anymore. Um, but yeah, it, the, her character, I like, they mix it in a way that just doesn't make sense. Um, and they also like give a lot of time to this, saber altar versus berserker fight and in ways that also i also feel like in ways that um make other fight scenes with saber it, it lessens them um because from this fight scene onward saber is shooting out blade beams like constantly mm-hmm. and like excalibur matters like it, it matters when she uses her noble phantasm yes um, and here she's just used, like, to the point where, like, in the third movie, where there's the the super important big clash between Ryder and Saber, and they have a clash between their noble phantasms, it doesn't even feel important that Saber is using, like, the Excalibur chant. It's like, well, she's already been using a shitload of blade beams already. <laughs> like, yeah. what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, pr- pretty much. Yeah, and like this is this is the start of like this berserker versus saber fight in the middle of movie two. It, it is the warning sign that the fight scenes from UFO Table are going to get much bigger for no particular reason. Oh, <laughs> um, there, there's one where I think there is a particular reason, and it's fucking sick, and it's Shiro versus Berserker. Uh, see that one, I actually. I actually don't think that was made bigger. I appreciate that they largely kept that the same in terms of... Yeah, they they just gave it more space compared to how it was in the uh, uh, visual novel, where it was just like a pretty brief description, whereas this had like a full five, six minutes to it. 
It was yeah. great. It's so good. Fucking the literal loading the bullet into the cliff and then chambering. Oh god, I fucked yeah. off so hard. Holy yeah. fuck! Especially because that's just the shit his dad did. Fuck yeah. me. It's so good. I, I will give them that in, in that, like, the scene where Shiro fights Berserker is wonderful. It is. I love the, that. It, it alone justifies the rest of the movies to me. Like, getting that one scene had me literally popping the fuck off. Like, down to the uh, uh, Archer going, think you can keep up, and Shiro running through him, jumping off the cliff. Like, man, yeah, it that was ruled. so good. I popped yeah. off so hard. Yeah, when they got to that point, because, like, they had done so much different um, up to that point, like, where, where even even the change to how Shiro loses his arm, it doesn't make, like, in the visual novel, it makes total sense why Shiro loses specifically his left arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the change they make in Heaven's Feel is just, like, there's just a big explosion, and and there's no particular explanation for why that happens to him. Like, it, it, doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any... It doesn't make there's no clear cause and effect like there is in the visual novel. Yeah. So I was already worried that they were gonna screw up the Shiro versus Berserker fight. Mm-hmm. And so I was real worried. And when they got to it and they nailed it, I was so happy. <laughs> yeah, it, it it fucking rules. It's so good, dude. It's so good. Yeah. Fuck. Um how do you feel? About because this is like a, a a more subtle subtle change or, or well not necessarily subtle but like more seemingly minor change. But how do you feel about how they handle like Sakura's sexuality with Shiro in the second movie? Because they make an interesting choice um, where um, go ahead <laughs> where like so in in the in the original Heaven's Field route. Um, there are two sex scenes that Shiro has with Sakura. Um, once on like, I believe it's the first, I I believe it's the the same night that like Shiro abandons his ideals and tells Sakura he'll protect her. Mm -hmm. Um, they change that particular scene to, um, Sakura just asking for his blood, um, because she's still kind of embarrassed to, to like ask him for sex mm-hmm. um but then later on um there's a scene where like shiro's like oh okay you're you're here for more blood hold on let me let me get my knife out um but then she undresses and like uh makes it obvious to shiro that she wants to sleep with him uh-huh. and they do actually do a sex scene which i was not expecting yeah me neither um and like I I honestly think it's it's good that they kept that relate kept that sexual intimacy between Shiro and Sakura intact. Um, yeah, I, I have some issues with the presentation of it. Um, but <sighs> like uh, I I don't know like if if they had kept it like complete like if they haven't if if they kept it where like. Um, if they had it so Sakura and Shiro just didn't have any intimacy at all, I think I would have been disappointed. I just wish that it hadn't been uh, as horny, I guess I should say, in its presentation. Yeah. Um. 
So, I have complicated feelings about it. Because I think I'm in the same boat as you. Whereas if it was entirely removed, I'd be kind of disappointed. But, like, as it stands, it feels like a much inferior version of Heaven's Feel to me. Yeah. Um, and part of that I'm going to have to skip forward a little bit to talk about uh, uh, this final scene with Shinji. Um, yeah, that's that's fine. It's kind of impossible to, like, yeah. talk about our feelings about what the movie changes if we don't, if we can't yeah. skip around. Um, so, the th- reason I thought it was valuable in heaven's field the root in the visual novel is because the novel does a lot of work laying like groundwork for sakura's relationship with sex and intimacy and conflating sexual desire and uh, um, approval and like the really really like simultaneously dangerous relationship she has with sex and also like uh, relationship she has with desire as a whole and just the really complicated and messy relationship she has and that's not really something that is ever conveyed in the movie and that's yeah. because we talk about a lot in the visual novel about sakura being the protagonist and shiro is just the person we follow and that is decidedly not the case for the movie yeah shiro like- is the protagonist for the movies one of the one of the really important things about Heaven's Feel is that Heaven's Feel has a lot of interludes where we do get different perspectives and we are able to see their inner thoughts. And like mm-hmm. that is especially critical for Sakura. Like we know a lot about what Sakura is feeling at pretty much any given time because Nasu is consistently going out of his way to give us that perspective. And E- like, even more than just that, though, uh, uh, Shiro comes home and talks to Sakura every night. Yeah. Like, th- there is a consistency of Sakura just being on screen, even outside of those interludes, that is just not present in the movies. Speaking of which, one brief aside, did you notice that like when Shiro comes hum- home after losing his arm and then he lies about it, Sakura does not get mad at him? Yeah, I did notice I, I wished that she did because that was like an important thing. That was like one of the things that tips Shiro off. And like, again, it is so fundamentally important that Shiro, like, Shiro knows it's Sakura for days. Like, yeah, it is explicitly clear he knows and is choosing not to know. And like, that doesn't feel like it's the case in the movies either. And like, it, it is. Yeah, there's. The movie doesn't get across that, like, part of the problem is that Shiro is being willfully ignorant for for a mm-hmm. lot of Heaven's Feel, and, and, like, it causes things to escalate in a way that they didn't need to. Um, or even if they did need to, like, could have been addressed in a different way. Yeah. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, like, um, we kind of already touched it on, touched on it with addressing the, the change to like where they just do a dream sequence with uh, the Alice in Wonderland thing. Like it also takes at face value that Sakura and dark Sakura, like the dark Sakura is a real thing that Sakura is just yeah, going crazy. Uh-huh. There's like a, a moment where uh, um, Kyrie challenges that a little bit, but like not really. Um, and like, that is specifically what I wanted to talk about with the uh, yeah. uh, scene with Shinji. Sorry, uh, so they ahead, do yeah. keep in Shinji's attempted assault of Sakura, which, man, what an unpleasant thing to see happen. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And Sakura, again, specifically wishes uh, that he didn't exist. Not that she killed him, not that he's dead, but that he just wasn't hurting her anymore. Um, and her reaction is not one of, like, understanding or of intimacy with the shadow like it is in the uh, uh, in the visual novel. It is one of, like, confusion and abject horror in, like, a way that feels inappropriate like yeah it 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 feels like again it it, it, the the thing it gets across that feels like this scene is trying to get across is that sakura has just lost her mind which is not the point of that scene it it is explicitly the opposite point of the scene from the visual novel like like going like even to the fact where in the movie like her room turns into Silent Hill, and yeah. like the the little shadow things start they like, look like dancing monsters ar- to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The little mo- the little monsters start dancing around on Shinji's corpse, and then like the shadow entity literally comes down and engulfs her. Yeah. Um, Whereas in the visual novel, that doesn't happen because this is a moment where she explicitly makes a choice to lean into it. She says, "Fuck it, man! I'm gonna go Joker mode. I'm gonna be Jokerified," and like. She makes yeah. that choice actively. She makes a decision there. Yeah, this isn't like Sakura's mind is not breaking here. Like Sakura, for all of Heaven's Feel, has this fear that she is that she is fated to become a bad person. Like according to her definition of what her, a bad person her is. Her fear isn't she's fated to be a bad person. Her the fear sh- is she is already a bad person. She is certain of it, and the repercussion is just it's going to come. And this is just the point where she hits, fuck it, man, I'm already a bad person, I might as well lean in. Yeah, yeah, it's where she, it's where she believes that she is now, where she is, fun, where she is 100% convinced that she cannot be redeemed even by Shiro. Uh, and yeah, so she just decides, well, if if I am already a bad person, I should just act like a bad person. What I What I think a villain is. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, like, she does the things that she does, and why people in the visual novel, specifically like Rin and Kyrie, constantly call her out by going, "Like, this is this is just an act." Mm-hmm. Like they know it's an act. <laughs> yeah, and, and in the movie, instead, it feels like she is actually going sicko mode. Yeah, also, like it, the, it, the director the movie... takes Dark Sakura literally. The movie also just doesn't have the space to lend. Uh, the time or credence to like the parallelism of Angermainu and Sakura. And like, I get why that's not really a thing you can convey in a movie very cleanly. Um, yeah, but like the sacrifice of Sakura and, uh, the ignoring of the harm of her and the sacrifice of Angermainu in a very open and visible way as like two parallels of each other is a really like fundamentally important thing for heaven's field to me. And for that to be missing is like kind of a disappointment. Because it's yeah. like you're you're missing part of like what the novel is talking about when it talks about Sakura. Because it's not just talking about Sakura the individual. It's talking about people in this position as a whole, um, where they are sacrificed as a means of protecting the majority, as a means of protecting those uh, or the larger people. And it's like, yeah, man, it's tragic, but you know, we just we gotta do it. Like, it, it is a manifestation of liter- – uh, it is 
them talking about, oh, we have to kill Sakura to save everybody else is a literalization of everybody being like, well, we're just going to ignore the harm that's happening to Sakura um, because it is inconvenient to everybody else. Like, and Angermainu yeah. is another reflection of that. It, it, it is a literal deification of that process made into the root of all evil of mankind. Like, that is that is not an accident. Yeah, uh, like, uh, again, Nasu's like... Nasu's not subtle. Yeah, like, again, like, one of, one of the primary conflicts that Shiro has in all three roots is that he considers Shinji to be a friend. And so it is inconvenient for him whenever he, Shinji forces him to acknowledge the fact that Shinji is fundamentally a bad person yes. and is willfully bad. Um... Because it, it means that Shiro, like, has to choose, like, whether or not, you know, stopping his, stopping someone who he consider stopping Shinji is more important than, like, this supposed friendship is to him. Um, not even just at the friend, because, like, the friendship's already gone, but it is yeah. this, this disturbance of the status quo more than yeah, anything like, else. Yeah, like, Shiro wants his relationship to Shinji to stay the same, even though it can't and he knows it can't, but he doesn't want it to change. Um, and so like in the first two routes, like he, and honestly in all three routes, he puts off dealing with Shinji for someone else to deal with. Yeah. He wants uh, it to be not his problem. And like, I get it, man, but you don't get that option. Yeah. And in all three routes, it causes problems. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, like, like specifically Angermainu is like, again, a reflection of that habit of sh like Shinji habit of, uh, or not Shinji, Shiro's habit of, uh, uh, I, I simply will not look at it and it will not exist is like, again, the thing that got us Angermainu and like, hey, yeah. Angermainu is literally the manifestation of all evils and the corruption of a thing called the Holy Grail. Like, a, a, a wish-granting machine of infinite power. Like, this is not an accident. It, Shiro is, like... The, the sins Shiro is guilty of are conflated with the sins that are, at like, the most vile actions of mankind and the evilest thing mankind can do, and it is only by rejecting them that we're able to find a better option moving forward and to care for the people around us. And, like... That's just kind of missing in the movies because you just yeah. don't have the space or time to really do that legwork. Yeah, there there is no critique of Shiro in that regard at all. No, none. Um, one petty thing I will say is that they skip over the Lore the Lorelai song with Ilya. Yeah, and like. That's one of the most important, like that particular scene, not just the Lorelei song, but like the scene that comes after it is one of the most important scenes for Ilya and Shiro. Um, and it just gets skipped over. And that's a shame. Yeah. Because uh, I really like Ilya in Heaven's Feel. I, I, speaking of Ilya, uh, there were two things I wanted to say about her in the movies. One is I think the performance and animation of Ilya made me like her more. Yeah, it's um, real I, I, good. It is very, very good, and seeing Ilya in motion does a lot for selling her character um, as, like, mm -hmm. this childlike person who is also, like, very dangerous. Um, 
the one thing I will say I don't like is that they lean into her becoming a manifestation of Justice way earlier than at that very moment with Zoken. Er, yeah, uh-huh. Which sucks. Um, I do like, though, that they are explicit that, yeah, she gets to go and be with her mom. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice ending. Uh, it, it, Ilya um, gets he- gets to go to heaven, and like, fuck, man, if Ilya's gotta die, I guess I'm glad she gets to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, it's. I have some things to say about like the scene where they actually see. Well, actually, I'll just mention them now because like it's yeah, not super it. important. But like the the scene where um, Ilya helps is, is helping Shiro like find the blueprint for the gem sword, and like they see the the scene with Justice and the other mages is like very weird in how different it's presented. Yeah, Zelrich is there. Level. Why is Zelrich there? Um, I I I thought Zelrich was there in the in, in the original scene as well. Yeah, but like my my main issue is that in in Heaven's Feel, like so in the movies, the way that like Justice Justice's sacrifice is presented is like this big ass like magic pillar descends on her and crushes her. It's so funny, which is. Which is like Which, so goofy, and like in the so funny, and in the visual novel, like like the um, it in the visual novel, like the thing that it is implied to be like Justice is still implied to be a sacrifice, but the method of sacrifice is different in that the gem sword itself is implied to be the thing that is about to stab and kill Justice. Like mm-hmm. we we don't actually see Justice's moment of death. It is the but it is the clear implication because the last image that Shiro yes, sees right. before Ilya drags him out to stop him from killing himself is um, one of the mages uh, I can't remember who standing with the gem sword in their hand in front of Justice, mm-hmm. um, which is like again an interesting contrast because like the thing the thing that will eventually save save like pretty much all of them and end the grail war is also the same weapon that started it yeah um but that's not what happens this in this one instead she just gets crushes by a pillar and also the gem sword just happens to be there we don't know why <laughs> yeah it's, like, it's a little annoying um it, it's a very minor complaint in the grand scheme of things but it is it is still like again ufo table just making things more dramatic for no reason and and in ways that like detract from how the scene was supposed to play out in the first place the fucking indiana jones trap is so funny though (laughs) oh god Um, are you are you referring to like like the the sequence near the end where oh no i I was just referring to the pillar that crushed oh the pillar oh okay because i have a different because they do like another Indiana Jones ish thing at the um, end that also annoyed the hell out of me. <laughs> the, oh, there was one other thing that uh, uh, I really didn't like um, because somebody mentioned at one point, "Oh, Zoken changed Sakura," um, and like there, it feels like there's an implication there of like, "Oh, he did like some magic or something to change her," and like, no, like the thing that he did to change her was just he was abusive. Like he, yeah. he was horrifyingly abusive and torturing her. Um, but like, it's not, it's not magic. It's very mundane. That is yeah, like it's, the it's, horror. It's something that, that it, any human can do. 
Yes. Like, th- that is, like, the important thing. Because, like, they open the game uh, by telling you, yeah, magic can only do the things people can already do. It can just do them differently or faster or uh, uh, more specifically. Uh, and, like, it is important here because, yeah, anybody could do that. Anything he did, anybody could do. He just tortured her. He is just an abusive par- parental figure. And, yeah. like, that is important because the way this is... Your heavens feel specifically about, like, the way violence is inflicted on those vulnerable and those uh, uh, we care for and how they lash out and are then punished for that lashing out and society deems that just without ever correcting the actual causes is, like, is, like, core to what the work's about. Like, it, it, it is... It, we opened our fucking podcast talking about how, how, wow, this game seems to really specifically be talking about, like, instrumentalization and violence towards those who are vulnerable and children and things like that. That's interesting. And, like, yeah, guess what? That's what it's about. And so, like, it is important that Zoken as a parental figure changes her by just being a torturous and abusive parental figure and not magic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, like they they kind of they kind of mess up Zokin's character pretty frequently, like especially at the end. Yeah, it's so like I've I've got some things to say about like some of the fight scenes at the end, but I because Go we're already it. talking about Zokin and and Zokin's not really going to come up again. Yeah. Um, I do want to air my complaint about how they deal with his final scene, like where he dies in in the Greater Grail Cavern, mm-hmm. where like they keep the part where he laments the fact that he's going to die and that he never managed to reach Heaven's Feel. But they do not keep the part where he comes to the realization, thanks to Justice, that, like, it was never his purpose to actually get to Heaven's Feel. Like, it was only just the first step. Um, and that, like, the the kids that are in front of him, the kids that, like, are victims of his abuse. They are the ones who will actually lay down a path to achieving heaven's feel. Well, not to achieving heaven's feel, but to achieving a utopia. Yeah. Which is what, which is what he pursued heaven's feel for to begin with. The pursuit was always for effectively to create the kingdom of heaven, not just to create heaven's feel. Yeah. And like, like heaven's feel was merely like, like a method he thought he could use to get that. Yes, and, and, like, the realization that he has here is, like, oh, we were, we were like, wrong. Like, th- these are the kids who, like, make a path forward with this route, and our path was a circle that only could ever lead here. And this is the route that will lead people forward. Maybe in 10 years, maybe in 100 years, maybe in 10,000 years. But, like, this here, this route of caring and caring for one another is the path leading us forward. And that's not... That's not in the movie. Yeah, no, not at all. Like, you get a completely different uh, interpretation of, like, what that scene meant to Zoken. Yeah, it feels like in the movie he's like, fuck, man, I was right, huh? Hell yeah. Well, I tried. Okay, time to die. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um... 
The next thing I kind of want to touch on is is the fight scene between Saber and Ryder in the cavern, uh, which is, I think, the most egregious example of UFO table just doing way too much. Mm-hmm. Like that, like that cavern gets fucking annihilated to the point where like it's it's incredible that it's still standing, um, and also like it's it sort of. It also um, doesn't really communicate nearly as well the fact that, like, Ryder is the underdog here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it, I mean, it not being the uh, the visual novel, too, means you lose that moment of her going, I can last two minutes. And then you cut back to them, and it says, it's been ten minutes. And yeah. then all of this fight happens. Yeah, like, this fight scene, the way that UFO Table animates it, it feels like Ryder is at full power the full time. Whereas in the visual novel, like, Ryder is, like, Ryder's still hanging in there, but just barely, like, eight minutes after she already, like, said she wouldn't be able to, like, keep fighting. Like, there, there is a reason that the visual novel portrays her on the back end of the fight. Like, both because... Um, like it, it shows just how desperately Ryder is fighting, how important it is to her, but also because like the thing that eventually, um, defeats, say, defeats Saber Alter is like the overconfidence of the puppet. Mm -hmm. Um, like Ryder doesn't do her trap here. Right. Um, Saber doesn't fall for anything. At at some point, they just separate and then do their noble phantasms for no apparent reason. Hey, remember when I was like, man, the beam clash, or uh, the back half of the Studio Dean adaptation turns into kind of beam clashes. That's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Um, hey, guess what? They uh-huh. turn this scene into a beam clash, only instead of the beam, it's uh, Shiro doing raw ice. Which, to be fair, raw ice is still sick. Raw ice is so fucking cool, man. But yeah. again, you're losing, like, the lack of it being a visual novel. I mean, this is, again, this is just me being, man, the book was better than the movie. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm aware that's the person I am. I know that's what I'm doing. But in my defense, the book was better than the movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but, like, you're <laughs> yes. losing, like, some of the impact of a person whose body is made of swords. Create Greatest creation being a shield. Like, that's not elicited on in the same way, and it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you already mentioned that this ends with Saber recognizing Shiro. It sucks so much. Like, the the ending in the visual novel is her basically just staring up defiantly at him, and then him, without saying a word. Like, that's so much better. There is no, like... He doesn't get to have redemption for that. He has to live with this. And so, like, he just has to carry that weight. And that's better. That's better in the visual novel where he just has to carry that weight. Because part of what he is doing here is he is literally killing his previous ideals. He is killing his past. He is killing the version of himself that ends up this nihilistic fucking self-destructive hedonistic mass. Um, Like... And he just has to live with the fact that he has ended that part of himself. 
Yeah. But instead, it's like, no, she she almost came back, and now he gets to feel guilty about that. Like, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, then we move on to Rin's scene where she fights the shadows, which is also much more dramatic than it was in the visual novel. Where, like, again, the point of that scene is that, like, Rin is pretty effortlessly just activating the gem sword and like almost just swatting the shadows like flies. Whereas here yeah. she's doing fucking acrobatic pirouettes and jump kicks and running all over the place. And I just hate it. I hate it so it much. It does kind of look cool. It, it like, is. It does look cool in a vacuum. Yes. Yes. Out of context. I like the idea of Rin just going fucking sicko and doing some magic martial arts on some fools, but it is the totally wrong thing to do for this scene. I mean, like, this is, like, the thing with Fate, right? Like, the thing that surprised me, at least, about Fate's Stay Night was how understated and unimportant the actual mechanics of magic was. Like, it's just like, yeah, man, it's magic. It fucking happens. That's not the important thing. It's what the magic is about. And, like, yeah. that's what I like so much about it. And this is, by contrast, Fate that has been through the fucking 20 years that the Fate series has been, where it's like, no, 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 no. You need to understand the important part is the magic. Yeah. It's like, are you sure though? The important part is the noble phantasms and all like the sick ass fight scenes <laughs> and a bunch of like flashing lights everywhere. I do love flashing lights. <laughs> Look, I get it. I'm a Dragon Ball Z fan. I like flashing lights. Oh, see, I fucking hate Dragon anyone, Ball Z. <laughs> but like, I, I don't think it works for, no, he- it, it for does heaven's not. feel like, um, but yeah, like I, I, I still mostly enjoy, I still mostly like this scene between Rin and Sakura once it, you know, actually calms down a bit. Um, they still, still keep that scene largely, largely the same. Um, I just wish that they had actually done more you know we we mentioned they didn't build up sakura's actual mental state properly um which actually i almost forgot like the the scene before where sakura go where sakura appears to kidnap well to like uh goes to emia's house and and nearly kills rin like in the visual novel it is important that she toys with rin for quite a while yeah in here, like she just immediately goes for goes for Rin, um, mm-hmm. so, like she doesn't waste any time, and it makes it feel like she is legitimately out to kill Rin. Whereas yep. in the visual novel, it is intended to be ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the the scene where like sock where like Rin decides not to kill Sakura, Sakura like realizes what she's done and is, is like broken up about it. That is still the same. Um, but it loses some of its impact because again, Sakura was not properly built up by movies two and like the beginning of movie three. Yeah. Um, and then we get the scene between Shiro and Sakura, which for some reason, like, again starts way more dramatic than it was in the visual novel like where this there's this whole preceding scene where like shiro does some fucking parkour on uh some collapsing bridges in order to get up to where sakura is 
before the actual cool scene happens. Just walk. It's illegal. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Yeah, like it. it, It's really a shame because, like, the cool thing. What I really liked about that scene with Shiro and Sakura is that, like, he is just casually approaching her. His body is already, like, made of steel, and, like, the the tentacles are just largely just deflecting off of him. Mm. Um, And, like, here, like, that happens for, like, a few seconds, but then, like, the actual conclusion to it is him, like, rushing at her and stabbing her instead of, like, this intimate moment where, like, he is already close to her and she is accepting it and like like he is stabbing her while looking her right in the eyes um yeah well and like there is a degree to which in the visual novel it's not really clear whether she thinks he is going to kill her or whether he like how, what she is aware rule breaker will do whereas here it feels like she is aware rule breaker is not going to kill her yeah and I like that less. Yeah. Um, then I guess we have the scene with Kyrie. It's largely the same. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, the Kyrie it, scene was also the least interesting part of Heaven's Feel. So, like, uh-huh. yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, and then, like, we have the scene where Ilya sacrifices herself to, to go to Heaven. Um, and I, I do still really like this scene. Like I, yeah. uh, I, I like how they chose to adapt, uh, make it clear that Shiro was losing his memories briefly and had to struggle to remember her name. Uh, it was really touching. Yeah. Uh, this scene works because they just kept it basically the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what they did not keep the same and, and what I was really disappointed to see they did not keep the same was the epilogue was the ending. Uh, yeah, they they don't make it clear Shiro's a little puppet man whose body is morphed into being a full person by magic. He, he, he is just a regular person, man. And it's like, damn. Yeah, also... I wanted you, Shiro to be a little puppet guy. Yeah, also you don't get any of, like, the really great and funny and touching conversations between Rin and Ryder and Sakura and Taiga. Like... Yeah. You don't get any of that. Instead, it's just, like, this weird like ufo table was instead was like you know what the denomon needs to focus on is like uh sakura and rin shopping for shiro's body like that's the thing that we need to explicitly show uh that yeah. in in great detail that's the important thing and when i when i watched this and realized like what they didn't do um it made me realize how how much humor has been sapped out of like the Heaven's Feel route, because like he- Heaven's Feel is desperate for humor because otherwise it is just, especially this back half is just fucking entirely brutal. Like it, it, there are moments in Heaven's Feel where it's just like I legitimately don't see a way out. They're just fucked. Yeah, and, like, one of the things that I really liked about Heaven's Feel is as bleak as that route got, like, it still remembered that it was important to have these 
slower scenes where the characters just sat down and commiserated and still made jokes. Like the closest we get to that is I think um, it's either movie two or three. I can't remember where it happened. I, I think it's it's movie two, where like Shiro does the thing where he says, "Hey Sakura, you know, I bet Rin would really like it if you called her sister." Mm-hmm. Um, and they kept that, and it's really yeah. great. And it reminds you, like, oh right, Heaven's Feel was sprinkled all throughout with scenes like this that were really funny and touching, and like uh, gave you a bit of time to breathe. And it's almost like the whole route is about like these interpersonal relationships. And so the visual novel finds it mandatory to spend large chunks of time on them. Yeah. And like UFO table siphoned all of that out of the sec, the movies two and three to the point where like, uh, the, the, the true end of heaven's feel is completely different. Uh, I don't know if I'd say completely different, but it definitely yeah. feels different. Yeah, not completely like, the, different. The, like, it still ends in the same the place. Same. Yeah. It just chooses to focus on completely different aspects of what happens in, in the ending, uh, in the true end. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, like, the movies are, are still enjoyable, and and good because heavens feel just at a base level is is a really good story um but i can't help feel that the changes made sapped it of a lot of what made it like really fantastic yeah i i would agree with that it is it is probably the best animated version of any of the roots from fate stay night and it's also like just an inferior version of Fate Stay Night. Yeah. Yeah, like I I think I still think the Illuminated Blade Works animation um stays true true enough to both like the events and intent of an Unlimited Blade Works that it still serves as a as a, you know, perfectly fine replacement. I don't think I can say the same about the Heavens Feel movies. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the reason I say the Heaven's Feel movie over uh, uh, Unlimited Blade Works is because I think uh, Unlimited Blade Works in a vacuum is a bad route. And, like, by virtue of being the animation in, or the anime, it is going to be in isolation. And so I'm just going to necessarily like it less. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think my reasoning for why I would probably put Heaven's Feel, the Heaven's Feel movies below Unlimited Blade Works, is that if you w- watch the Unlimited Blade Works anime series, I'd say, cool, you got you got what I think is important about Unlimited Blade Works. You don't need to watch. You don't, you don't need to read that part of the visual novel. You can just skip that. Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, if you watch Heaven's Feel, the movies, I'd say, like, yeah, those are good, but also you're missing a lot of like why Heaven's Feel is the way it is, yeah. um, and like you would still gain a lot from reading the actual visual novel. Yeah. Um. Which yeah, like, and and, it, and granted, like three movies is still a shorter amount of time than like a 25 episode anime series 
but also like the the decisions that UFO table made in terms of how to use those six hours, um, I think in a lot of cases were misguided enough that they could have used that time to, for other things that would have made me feel better about, you know, using this as a replacement for the actual visual novel. Cause like the, mm-hmm. there's a lot of minutes devoted to making fight scenes fancier that, j- that serve no actual purpose other than like, here's some more blade beams. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, man, this is an episode where I talked a whole lot. <laughs> I feel, it, I mean, it's okay. It, it's, <laughs> It's only fair after the last episode uh, <laughs> that we did where I just sort of did not stop talking. Yeah, I know. It, it's weird. I just have like, uh, I just weirdly worked up about these movies, I guess. Yeah, my thing is just sort of like, they're like, fine. They're just a worse version of the visual novel. Yeah. Like, I, I get that it is a big ask to be like, listen, play two bad routes to get to the good route. But I promise the good route's good. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh yeah, like I I I desperately wish I had liked Heaven the the Heaven's Feel movies more than I did, especially since mm-hmm. like I do genuinely adore the first one. Yeah. I think the first movie is is just about as good as you could possibly make an adaptation of that first section of Heaven's Feel. Yeah. I agree. Um I- I mean, I, I'm I'm just always gonna be the read the book person. I think is yeah. like what it comes down to because that's just the person that I am. <laughs> um, and so like I'm always gonna be the person who goes, "Oh, you should you should read the book. It's it's gonna be better." Um, but the thing is, I'm right. Like I'm right. Like I'm just correct. <laughs> I'm just correct. And, like, I know people hate to hear that, but, like, I'm just right. It's a better version yeah. of the same story. Yeah, I mean, I'm a person who, like, ranks the Lord of the Rings movies among their favorite movies ever. They're good uh, movies. And I, I still think the Lord of the Rings books are better than the movies. I personally love Pages of Hobbit genealogies. Yeah. And I know that saying that out loud, it sounds like a joke. <laughs> I need everyone to understand that I'm not kidding. I <laughs> love that opening bit in uh, uh, Fellowship where you just find, like, all of this internal gossip in the Shire and, like, just the fucking pages about, like, all of the different Hobbit families being bitchy to each other. Oh, yeah. that shit's like catnip to me. I want nothing more than that for six books. That's that's all I want. I just want more of that, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like uh, Heaven's Feel, like putting it into like three movies, it, it was never going to be like a perfect replacement. I just wish it had. I just wish I felt like the creators understood why I liked Heaven's Feel. Yeah. It feels like they have a very fundamentally different relationship with Heaven's Feel than we do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's we can finally close the book on we are Fate done Stay Night. With Fate Stay Night. Yeah. Um, so next we are going to be talking about Fate Hollow Ataraxia. Um, and before 
before we end this podcast, I, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping in terms of how that is going to work. So without getting into it too much, because we'll we'll be more detailed when we do the first episode of of Hollow Ataraxia. Um, but the the way it is, the way its narrative is constructed is pretty different from how Fate Stay Night works. Um, so the way that we are going to cover it is I will actually be playing, um, playing Fate Holler Ataraxia, uh, basically a week's worth of content. Um, well, one podcast episode worth of content in advance of what Sierra is going to play. Uh, I am doing this because, Hollow Ataraxia has freeform segments where you can choose which scene you want to view um, during certain segments. Uh, so to make sure that we are able to both cover Hollow Ataraxia in detail um, while also still covering the same content, I will be going through uh, one. I'll be going through an, an episode of content first. Uh, so I can create a guide for Sierra to follow when she then goes through the content. Um, Iris so, doing the Lord's work. Yeah. So we, uh, our current plan is to do uh, one loop uh, per podcast episode. What that means will be more clear when we actually dive into how Hollow Ataraxia works on the first episode of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, one loop per episode. Uh, where I will always be like one loop ahead. Um, so I'm yeah. gonna be I'm gonna do my best to not spoil things. <laughs> I mean, I don't give um, a shit about spoilers. It, it, it also like the structure of uh, uh, Hollow Ataraxia means that like it it has to be built in such a way where spoilers like that are not going to be an issue because yeah. you could have already encountered that information by doing it in a different way. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I will say is that um, just through like sheer happenstance, um, I happen to pick like uh, a two scenes that feature uh, like alternate Lancer out alternate Lancer fashion that you are going to go apeshit for. <laughs> yeah. It was not my intent, but um, I am I am. V- I'm so excited to be covering Fate Holler Ataraxia because what I have played so far is just delightful. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes. It feels and it feels breezy in a way I was not expecting. Because like that's actually nice. Because like that... the summary I wrote was approximately as many words um, as any given summary for. Uh, like one of our Fate Stay Night episodes, but it didn't feel like as much work, which was weird to me. Mm. Um, so it, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to be, start talking about Hollow Ataraxia. Okay, uh, I am too. Yeah, so that'll be it for this episode of Saber Metrics. Uh, finally, saying goodbye to uh, Fate Stay Night, and uh, let's see what. Nasu has in store for in store for us next. <laughs> I can't wait to get mad at a new game. It's gonna be great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, remember everyone. Um, oh wait, hold on. First, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Stills the GM. Oh, right. You can follow me on Twitter at Rhetoric Acrobat. Again, I still don't know why you would, but <laughs> I guess there you go. 
Uh, but yeah, uh, remember, folks, uh, for the last time, uh, podcasts end when they stop recording. She's you.